So it's come to this. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Beautiful. Beautiful Psych- work. I had to psych myself up for that one. I loved it. I was in a stairwell practicing my, my riffs. It was worth it. Yeah. Oh. We uh, Welcome back, guys. Uh, this is a movie podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Yeah, we got a movie to talk about. We're really excited. This is... I also like... I noticed we never... Uh, Charlie and I spend like an hour talking and catching up and uh, talking about life before this. Mm-hmm. Every other podcast is always the guys <laughs> doing all, all of that for an hour before they talk about the movie. It's we, true. We, we do not share any it's Any true. Hubbub. You guys don't need to know what's Nobody, going on, right? We don't just, need to hear me talking about work this just, week. Yeah, we're just a couple of guys. There's nothing interesting there. We're, we're here to talk about movies. We and then what's we, what's great though is when you when you do talk before we're recording. Oh yeah, we don't really talk about movies. We save it for the cast. That's right. So we get all the we divide it down the middle, all the junk on one side, <laughs> and then that's us. We have a really special <laughs> one today. Yeah, believe it or not. This is we're this is amongst our series of movies that we want to put on the map. Totally. That we want to get out there and get people talking. I heard him talking about it on this cuz this movie was a total bust. <laughs> yep. A studio editing hack job mm-hmm. that they totally took the original movie and hacked it up into a different movie. And yet it is so sick <laughs> and so good. We are talking about the golden era of noir L.A. crime, 1993's <laughs> Boiling Point. Whoa. This movie is one of those flicks you watch, and it's like, why is this not a legendary kind of, not just cult flick, but like a movie like the Bad Boys series mm-hmm. is a huge thing. And Boiling Point was just a bust that nobody remembers. Just I, another run-of-the-mill cop movie as far as yeah. most people are concerned. Terrible reviews. Terribly reviewed. Only has a 4.9 on the IMDb. Under 5 is dipping. It's pretty rough. I, IMDb is not the perfect scale for ratings, but there's a broad fairness yeah. to a lot of it. Well, a lot of horror movies might get that treatment, but like a crime movie with this kind of a all-star cast. Yeah, that was a big budget to be a, LA a, crime movie. A good movie, yeah, to only be a 4.9. That's a tough one. There is hundreds of flicks on this site above 4.9. Thousands, probably. <laughs> There's a lot of movies on IMDb. No, what I'm saying is uh, that are junk flicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, that are rated better. And so I'm watching a movie like Boiling Point, going into it, seeing the reviews, but I don't care because I also see the cast. So why did, is that why you watched it, the cast? I watched it just, well, I'm... Because you watched it first and then said, you got to watch this Boiling Point. Yeah, you got to like, get on board. this Boiling Point. <laughs> yeah, I have passed long the point of uh, 
where I just watch the best critically reviewed movies. Mm-hmm. I've long You've since seen them been, all. Yeah, well, you know, it's more fun at a certain point for me to to go after actors. Mm-hmm. Like when I find a guy and a gal I like, I want to see him in different situations. So I'm definitely an actors guy when it comes to movies, and. And then it leads me to seeking out our favorites. And we all have our favorites. That's what our cup of names came from. And you get to a movie like Boiling Point that has like eight names mm-hmm. of dudes that I like. And you're seeing this 4.9. And I'm just sitting here doing the math. And it's like, that's impossible. These are guys who I've seen in shitty movies who always elevate a shitty movie mm-hmm. by just being on the screen. And this movie has nothing but those guys. How could it be? A 4.9. So that was this was definitely a movie I watched that I would have watched if it had like, you know, an 8.1. Absolutely. Just this cast alone. The cast alone. Uh, it, it starts, That's what I told you. I think yeah. I texted you probably at like midnight on a Saturday at some point and was like, do you have Boiling Point on Laserdisc? <laughs> no, I should. That's, it's, it's right, in, it's it's right in the wheelhouse of yeah. the Laserdisc era. It's, it is. A 93. Yeah. That's a prime. I'm sure, I'm sure it's out there. But uh, yeah, despite the... Uh, fact that Wesley Snipes stars in the movie and is pretty much the only thing the, the only promotional thing on the would tell you about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. This movie. I mean, do we just run down the list real quick? Let's run it down. Yeah. Uh, you got Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper's the main villain in the flick. You got a uh, Vigo Mortensen, a young, young Vigo, young chinned that is Vigo, a deep chin. Uh, you got Seymour Cassell, best Seymour Cassell, a great Cassell, the best Cassell. Uh, start. You know, look these people up. You'll know who you, who they are, even if you don't know the name. Jonathan Banks. Breaking the most Bad relevant star. of any of the people in this movie today. It's insane. Yeah, someone we talked about recently on the Seven Ups, Tony Lo Bianco, makes yeah. an appearance. Nineties Lo Bianco. Yeah, very cool. He's uh, yeah, he's getting up there at that point, and he yeah. keeps going. You got Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason from Breakfast Club. You got uh, Tobin Bell has a scene. Uh, right, Jigsaw the from saw, the Saw right. series. This whole movie is filled with guys who only show up for one scene, and they just crush it in mm-hmm. their one scene. You didn't even say Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya is <laughs> Wesley pretty major role. partner. He's I haven't even gotten to him on the yeah. cast list <laughs> yet. Going have, down IMDb. On IMDb, you got to click on like the more. You got to see full cast just to get it's to Hedaya. It's one of those kind of movies, and every like, guy that's special. That's is special. a guy. Yeah, there's no way this movie is a four point nine. No matter how plagued, uh, I think this is one of those movies that it gets a lot of bad reviews because the trade press about the movie was all negative stuff. Mm-hmm. You had, you know, stories of like the director and screenwriter furious that they wanted to re-edit and recut their movie. So it was one of those movies that you just heard about the studio infighting the whole lead up to the movie. So it's like you almost go in. I think that was a thing. Critics would then go in with just a more negative view. When, yeah, when you hear that it production. was troubled, uh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, when you've already got bad reviews or bad news coming out of the studio during yeah. production Any, of a movie. Anytime a director is saying they're ruining my it. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in fairness, though, this movie is, as Charlie said, you look at the poster, it's all Wesley Snipes. Snipes had been in stuff for several years now, but what? Like Passenger 57. He was an action of, guy. That kind of thing was yeah. getting huge. Mm-hmm. And this was them saying, oh, man, we could be making this from a movie that'll make... $30 million to a movie that'll make $80 million. So they cut it from a Dennis Hopper criminal redemption movie mm-hmm. 
and kind of turned it into a fake Wesley Snipes police thriller. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> like, they took like a Confidence Man movie. Yeah. Uh, the original title was going to be Money Men. Okay. That was the title of the novel that Boy, it's based on. We'll get on. into that. Um, so <laughs> it's a it's a confidence movie. Uh, it's it's about counterfeiting, which is the most popular form of con man. Oh yeah, uh, conning. So we all we're all familiar with counterfeiting. I don't need to go into it. The movie yeah. sure doesn't. The movie. The movie assumes you know the all the lingo. The movie assumes we know a lot of counterfeit bills. The ins and outs. Info. Yeah. It's so good. They just jump us right into the middle of this rig, and everybody has their own slag. It's so great. It's like the best fake drug slag. We'll get to that. But though. yeah, at the heart of it, you've got Dennis Hopper as this, he just got out of the out of a doing a nickel in the, a in, nickel. the uh, in the prison system there. Which, as he points out, when you're over 50, man, that's hard time. That's hard time. That's yeah. hard time. And he's teamed up with a young Vigo Mortensen. Uh, they are basically scamming people, making money. But it's, a, it's got that sense of like the con man who's kind of on his last yeah. legs. Which is a, which is a subgenre that I you love. Know, uh, trying to make that last big score so he can make things right with his lady. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. But then I think, and I think even the movie got made that way. And then Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Broke big overnight, probably after already filming this movie. One of those things. And so they go, all right, cut half of Dennis Hopper's story. Add in this cop who chases him for no real reason. Yeah. Uh, other than revenge, quote unquote. Um, and then, yeah. And then market it as an action movie instead of this kind of crime as this saga. Cool not saga, but crime character study. It's a movie that deals with know? a lot of cool low-rent characters. Totally. And... They really wanted to market it as that kind of 90s sleek action cop chase thriller. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't that. It was a much cooler character study. They got, yeah, they just. Even changing the name to Boiling Point, like that it really doesn't fit the the tone of the movie at all. Boiling is not the uh, the kind of simmering tensions that are going on in this movie. Well, especially with the tagline. I got to talk about, I love when taglines are sentences. Okay. That I didn't even the see title the completes. So uh, you, what, <laughs> yeah. my favorite taglines are: "There's only one thing wrong with the Davies baby; it's alive." Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this one, the tagline is: "He's a cop who's reached the boiling point." <laughs> yes, I do love that. <laughs> He's a cop who's reached the money men. Exactly. That oh doesn't wait, work. this doesn't work at that all. Doesn't work. They came up with the tagline before the movie. I like that you mentioned. Um, uh, it's the it's a live slogan. This is really great. I'm I'm surprised. We're, this is our little connection here, because to me, I was gonna say this movie feels like a super slicked up kind of Larry Cohen movie. Mm. Larry Cohen is a guy who feels like he has these kind of scenes where he lets a guy act a bit, and that's why you get those great hammy Michael Moriarty scenes. Because Larry Cohen's like, I got Michael Moriarty. Like, let him be Michael Moriarty. I got David Carradine. Let him do some David Carradine stuff. So it had a lot of this movie felt like the director really liked and understood the best parts of his character actors and just let him do that. Totally. And uh, so I like that. That's what kind of felt like that same Larry Cohen. But also, Dennis Hopper looks exactly like John P. Ryan in It's Alive. Oh, wow. He looks like exactly the same. What do you think Dennis Hopper's doing in this movie exactly, Eric? Uh, Can we just start with that performance? I kind of want to talk about all these scenes with these great actors, but 
it's so Dennis Hopper gives such a strange maybe is the word or I think it's amazing he gives this really affected performance that's all hands it's like he wanted this to be his hands movie so you know me and you know how near and dear Blue Velvet is of course Blue Velvet if we somehow haven't talked about it on the show we haven't done an episode even though eventually obviously we will yeah it's my favorite movie ever uh charlie and i watched it uh i watched it with charlie the first time he saw it it's a movie that i've shown a lot of people i love it and dennis hopper this sounds like pretty big praise and i think it's deserved uh i think this is one of his best roles as red this one in in boiling Boiling point Point. yeah sure sure. it feels like frank booth in an alternate timeline (laughs) yeah it feels like frank booth who grew up under different circumstances was involved in different crimes and was therefore affected different personally. It's, uh, it's a different kind of wounded, and it's a different kind of outward expression. Yes, uh, I was. The wounded is is great that you said that because I would think the the thing I was thinking of this is he does seem like a, a dog that's been kicked quite a bit as red. Yeah, um, he never gets he never lashes out or gets angry or gets uh, dominating in any of his scenes. Yeah, that's pretty impressive to be a clear lead villain and it's not like he's a punching bag you can just get a real it's more of like almost a ratso rizzo kind of character you know kind of a lowlife who's he's more classy than than rizzo but it's still that like scraping by kind of thing you know trying to con everybody where he shows up and half the people he shows up and accidentally quote bumps into are not like excited to see him. <laughs> not happy. He's one at of those all. kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Like a, he has a couple friends that are legit, but then most of the people are like, "Oh, he's out. He's out on the streets again." Great, great. Uh, he's a very old-fashioned kind of a character too. He's like out of the forties. I think yeah, he, it's such a, a little bit. It, there's it doesn't. It's not like, like he's doing like a bit, but uh, you know. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> He, he's wearing, like, the spats. He goes dancing at the palace, which is this big band, 40s club. Yeah. He's, like, a lot of dance, a lot of dance he's stuff. Wear, he's always wearing, like, a suit, you know, with the ring on the pinky. He's just so, he's got that old-fashionedness. And everyone else is, like, in these various, like, 70s and 80s and 90s kind of he's the, tones. For L.A. noir stuff, he's the closest guy in the movie to somebody from L.A. Confidential. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he feels very of that time. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of an interesting way of, of this, I feel like it's almost like that postmodern like blending of all the things together in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of slang in this movie that's kind of not. Well, let me preface that with, <laughs> I did not know the ins and outs of the world of counterfeit Los Angeles drug trade. Oh, you did not in 1993. Oh, you should have. I'm. I got more <laughs> caught up when I was older. But when I was 12, not as much. So all of this slang could have been the way they talked. Mm-hmm. There was 1993 skateboard slang. Why Very would true. there? Very why true. would there not be 1993 counterfeit money s- s- slang? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure we all we're all in our niche groups. We all have the th- the inside references. But <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those movies that uses a lot of slang where you're like, did they say that? <laughs> was that there's just a lot of that is that a thing um but this was such a so hopper had these pockets of such a great career 
And I was I was thinking about this earlier because Blue Velvet is my favorite movie. And in that same year, he was in uh, Hoosiers, which mm-hmm. is like the mainstream one that that was like probably his most mainstream acclaimed performance. Right. Did he get a? I think he got an, an Oscar Academy nomination for that? for that. Yeah, but nomination. same. So I think if I remember it right, he got Golden Globe nominations for Hoosiers and Blue Velvet, mm. but only an Oscar nomination for Hoosiers. Sure, I could see that. So, but then that same year to show the range of what kind of levity he can bring to trash. He was also in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as the unhinged sheriff. Such so brilliant in that. It's such a great way that you can, he can be such a tender recovering drunk in Hoosiers, the monster Frank Booth, his great role in River's Edge Mm. that same year. And then the ridiculous sheriff like Mm -hmm. that's his 86 beautiful range and this 93 why i'm so pissed to find out that there's just who knows how many 20 plus minutes of great hopper as red footage that was just cut and room floored from the same year where he was like oh his scenes in true romance Mm -hmm. you know and uh red rock west which is a really great one that uh, would also fit in really nicely on the show. And King Koopa. Oh, jeez. All in oh, one year. Man. And Boiling Point came in that year. This was his 93, uh, baby. Same as Super Mario Bros. Yeah. So that's like, again, though, that wow. seems like a repeat of his Busy 86 guy. where he was just doing this range of trash to brilliance. And to know that like 20 minutes of that mm. got cut. Because a bunch of people liked fucking Passenger 57. It's really annoying. Have you ever heard of like a movie like... So yeah, the the idea is that uh, James B. Harris, who did the screenplay of this and directed it. Yeah. Um, you know, he, does, he didn't get Final Cut and it got messed with. And, and it's like, have you ever heard of that going well for a studio? Right. Has that ever worked? They made a lot of really good choices. Maybe you never hear that. Wasn't se- you know? I'm sure there it's has like, to oh, be examples. Oh, this was garbage, and then they fixed it. Um, but yeah, this movie ended up only making like 10 million off of a 9 million budget. Doesn't do anything. Yeah, it gets pretty much lambasted. Maybe it would have done worse without this. I mean, maybe it was the right call. I don't know. Like, but uh, there's so much like goodness in it. Like, like you said, there could be so much more. Yeah, that we're missing, but we still get these great moments of. Dennis Hopper just wagging his finger with every sentence <laughs> he says. So handsome. Guys, watch this, this movie, movie honestly only for Dennis Hopper's hands. There's a lot of hand. He work. doesn't say more than three words without a hand flying in front of his face. Oh, yeah. Pointing at someone, whether he's talking about them or himself, he's just pointing a finger at people, <laughs> wagging it. But well, it's brilliant. It, but it's it comes from that like place of like a guy trying to endear himself to you. Yeah. Rather than like a wagging your finger at a well, so that's why the, or I kept seeing, you know, it's hard not to look at him and just see Frank Booth. He's so it's one of those characters that's so defining as a person <laughs> right. for a guy. And so it's not like a stretch to be like, you know, I watched this and really was reminded of Frank Booth. But it did seem more intentionally similar. They felt from the same weird tough guy universe. Mm-hmm. And because Frank was a straight up savage. And this guy oh, yeah. is obviously conniving, animal. but doesn't rely on the more uh, surprise viciousness. This is a guy Frank who knows did. how to survive prison when he's 50 years old. Yeah. You know, that's so hard time. it's a guy who's been around. Yeah. And it, that's why you get that sense that he's been kicked and. Yeah, he he doesn't want to get kicked again. This this whole movie it has one of those plots that 
you get to the end of the 90 minutes and you realize like I couldn't have cared less about this plot Mm -hmm. because it was just so much more fun to watch all of these actors acting. Mm -hmm. This movie is filled every, as all these names we've read, as you can tell, there's so many names for a 90 minute movie. Every guy who's just a one scene guy is a total legend. (laughs) And it's them getting to clearly like, all right, well, uh, do whatever you want with this character. Mm-hmm. It really felt like an actor's kind of movie. They, well, let's they, get into it. Which yeah. which one do you want to... Uh, I, I'd say we talk about Seymour. That's the best one. I don't think he's necessarily the best scene. I think, we, I think we'll get to the best scene. Though his is yeah. the other major contender, I think. Seymour Cassell is one of my favorite low-rent hoods. He's so good. He's good in everything. He's one of the best. and uh, But stuff like Killing of a Chinese Bookie and now this. This is probably my favorite Seymour Cassell world. Definitely favorite Seymour Cassell that's under 10 minutes. Right. He's in and out pretty quick. He's a uh, he, counterfeiter. He or he's, he's holding counterfeit money. Wesley Snipes undercover is trying to get the money from him to track down the people who killed his partner. Yeah, the Snipes which is stuff. Hopper. Snipes. So that's is, just a, it's just a it's just a plot device to move things along so we get yeah. scenes like we get. But he's a guy. Tobin Bell's the prisoner who's in there for counterfeiting. Uh, Seymour Cassell's, and that's the great Tobin. My Tobin Bell's. I got to talk about the line. Maybe we just go through chronological. I guess because well, they're all all these guys have one scene. Real and they're quick, all just like back to back. I think we just do the one line. Tobin Bell, real quick. He. <laughs> He gets two minutes, but he makes it memorable. He's the guy talking to the cops while he's in jail. So he leads them to Seymour Cassell, yeah. and he goes, "What do I know about being? Uh, what do I, I know? What do I know? What's happening on, on the, the streets. streets? I've been man. I've been in a cage for five years. Pause. I'm in a cage, man. <laughs> and it was a deep pause. It was. It was a beat. Yeah. And then it was. A, I'm in a cage, man. I know. It's almost like was he. Did he say the line wrong at first and then like pause and then say <laughs> the like, correct line? He was like, getting the Did you more guys get audio that? We could just it? cut that? Yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, oh, it was really brilliant. like he does this really great tough white guy and then like, oh, whoa, 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 where are you going? Yeah. Hey, whoa, we can work on a deal. But yeah, like at first he's playing up all the like, what do I know about what's happening on the streets? <sighs> it's such a like Robert Townsend kind of like. I is telling you, and it's just like, what is Tobin Bell doing here? Like, what are we doing? And then immediately he's like, whoa, 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 where are you going? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey. hey, let's talk about maybe it. Maybe I know some, maybe I've heard about these guys, sure. <laughs> but Seymour Cassell is like, I love his, his hood in The Killing of a Chinese Bookie because he's playing off the ridiculous energy of Timothy Carey. Sure. And he's the more like, hey, come on. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that bad kind of thing with old sourpuss Timothy Carey over right. here. And uh, this one gets, when he really embraces his scumbucket side, is the best Seymour Cassell. Because he's got that really great kind of big round nose. Mm-hmm. And this one, he's got the mustache, his blonde mustache. He is, it's like he is straight out of the 70s. He's got yeah. this like mustache. leather jacket. The, his, the, he's got the, the brown leather jacket, hair. like the Donnie Brasco jacket with a Hawaiian shirt underneath it. It's just amazing. Blonde mustache. It's like it's like I, if, if they had told me he just 
took the wardrobe from Killing of a Chinese Bookie and wore it on this set to be like, yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, well, he looks like he's like a street tough version of Rip Taylor. <laughs> there is that. There is that. Like, but in the, the same face, in like the coolest way possible. Well, like the Hawaiian shirt, the mustache. Mustache Cassell is great. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of these guys with must. We got went through mustache Dennehy. Oh yeah, uh, we're big fans of mustache Christopher Walken. Mustache big Cassell fans. is like. Oh, he gets two scenes, one at the bar where Wesley Snipes is coming to check out his product. Where we get all the lingo. That's where we get just jumped (laughs) right in the middle of counterfeiting. The movie is hardly talking about bills before this. And then you honestly wouldn't necessarily know it's counterfeit money from like the first 15 minutes of this movie. Like they don't really tell you what the deal was in the other room kind of a thing. But yeah, this time. He's a, he, he sits down and he's like, so uh, here you got the the bills. Oh, yeah, what flavor do you want? Oh, I got five <laughs> large, tasty 50s, blah, yeah. blah, blah. There's a lot of just like insider. Like, Is that how they're talking sl- about money? Yeah. It's like the boxes of ZD and the how Sopranos mu- right? kind of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's like, really like a how much heat's on that st- on that stash. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? He's like, oh, this batch is cool, baby. Seymour <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cassell's never mentioned like – the word bills, but he's like, oh, the score's big, baby. <laughs> Two, five, oh. Well, then, uh, but then he goes, but I give you the score. How soon can you deal? Mm-hmm. Deal? What, what, what are you talking about? So it's like just at all some point, that. I am such a dummy. I'd just be like, we're, we're talking about the bills, right? We're talking about money. Counterfeit money. We're talking about counterfeit money. What are we we're talking ta- about here? There's a lot of people in this bar. You said flavor? Is it, <laughs> what's that mean? What's yeah, that mean? but I just love the like, I love we get at least three different people in this movie saying a variation on the cool-ass phrase, look, man, the paper's close by. <laughs> like, right. I know where the paper's at. I can I call my guy. We can get the paper. The paper's around the corner, all right? And Cassell he, adds the great, uh, and I, I bet it's his, he goes, and that's no shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we get his, that's kind of his thing, because then we get, that's, his that's our, like, prep. Our intro Cassell scene. Yeah. And that's where he... Wesley Snipes is... What's great about this dumb... This movie is such a... All the Snipes scenes are total... Total trash. Well... Other than the ones playing off the awesome guys. Because... They have him go from such a cool guy... To such a suddenly guy like doing an idiotic thing on the job. So it's like him talking to Cassell being like... Oh, yeah, man, I know what the stack is. I know the <laughs> score. And then one second later, he just pulls a gun. He's like, how about this? Because I'm with the federal investigations. <laughs> right. Like, oh, man, okay. why That escalated. Why did we just, like, jerk around for so <laughs> Totally. How much, how much lingo did you have to learn just for that build? So there's always a lot of, like, all right, man, this character actor is doing his thing, doing his thing. And then Snipes is going to butt in right at the end here. It's it's the James Marshall in Gladiator effect. Just totally. like the central figure is kind of this blank slate that James. everyone else is trying to bounce stuff off of. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, it's not sticking. Yeah. And Snipes is playing the cool, hard, calm guy right. in a world filled with the most colorful cons When he's ever. supposed to be a cop who's reached the boiling point. Yeah. He's like, yeah. his performance should be like him, like threatening people Dennehy style. Yeah. And all he does is like coolly unwrap a cigar or a cigarillo or something. Dude, and he just had his, like, had sw- this his oral like Swisher fixation. sweets that he's got there. 
You could see him crinkling up his two-pack Squisher Sweets in the Just interrogation. Like, cool as a fucking cucumber while yeah. he's supposed to be tracking down his partner's killer. Like, yeah, you know the movie's like. See the boiling ah. point. I want the maybe there's some laziness. But he was making there the movie when it was called Money Man. It was and called he's just uh, like, you know, just starting to bubble up, just <laughs> tepid. Yeah, yeah. It's been on there for a while. Nobody told Snipes about boiling. Snipe. Everybody else. All these one scene characters just feel like I said. Actors movie felt like these guys had a lot of control of their characters, and everybody makes incredible decisions. For their characters, except for Wesley Snipes, right? Who's the cool guy? We get all these scenes of solo Snipes. My favorite for the weird aesthetic reasons. I want to know who is the set designer, because when we get that scene of Wesley Snipes visiting his like son, mm-hmm. and you know, his he and his wife are separated. She's living with another man. We had a long scene of her just talking about this really good guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really rubbing it in to Snipes. Uh, And Snipes goes into his kid's bedroom to tell him goodnight. This kid's bedroom has the weirdest aesthetic. (laughs) Because he's got Ninja Turtles lying around. And then on the wall, he has a bunch of framed John Coltrane (laughs) records. (laughs) Seven-year-old. You don't think he's into Coltrane? <laughs> he's got like three Coltrane records right oh, on his that's wall. Funny. Sitting there looking, just like at... right next to like the obvious like finger painting that he did. Like, yes, yeah, which, dude. Why is his own painting he's up got in his, his room? Turtles figures out on the floor, out on the dresser. Totally. And then he's got his framed copy of Giant Steps <laughs> up on the wall. <laughs> he appreciates the classics. Oh, this six-year-old. Man. The six-year-old loves it. Oh, man. J.J. Johnson on trombone on that album. <laughs> Love it. Put that on, Mom. going to get my Bebop character out <laughs> here and go play. That's great. Who is this kid? That's funny. So I don't know who... I don't know if this is the new guy's job. He's like, you know, I'm going to put up some of the classics. <laughs> going to get out some of my old Impulse and Blue Note LPs. Going to hang them up in the kid's room. You know, get them on the right track. Totally. I'm appreciating uh, black jazz Bebop culture. What is this? That's great. And so the movie has weird choices like that. It's not a run-of-the-mill, cookie-cutter, this kind of movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really clear by the time we get to Seymour Cassell's second scene. Because this scene is like, oh, this is what you show on the reel Mm -hmm. of the R.I.P. Seymour Cassell. This is the interrogation scene, yeah, when he's trying to get him for information I think watching them back to back, it's my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. You're, the other one is the clear other contender. But Seymour Cassell in this is so perfect. He is talking about, you know, Snipes is walking around with his Swisher Sweets, talking about, uh, yeah, we got you on those 450s that, you know. Brought him in over $200 in counterfeit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, because he wants to get trying him to, to sweat s- him out over two hundred. Wants to get bucks. him to snitch and turn so he doesn't get a sentence. And Seymour Cell takes three minutes to explain to him <laughs> just how totally. laughably stupid that idea is. He talks this eighteen-month sentence. This is the guy that knows the like. Hey, don't do that. You'll get. He's obviously a pro. He's been yeah. in and out of the system. He's, he's like he's a paroled guy. He's doing the like. Look, I'm on parole, so they're gonna get me for breaking that. That's 18 months. 
but you know what? I'm going to do six months of that. And then you got <laughs> he just talks right. through point like by the point. The DA is going to drop your charges. So I'm looking at four months, maybe three. <laughs> he's, all yeah. of a sudden, he's down to three months. Yeah, he talks himself down so quick Beautiful. to rub it in just how little time he's actually going to And serve. he's just he's savoring it so much. He is so it's good. such a beautiful scene. I love when scene. the camera angle cuts. So before, it's cutting from Wesley Snipes' view. you got a top-down view, the guy standing versus the guy seated. Right. And the guy seated still the one smarting off. And then when we cut to the Cassell view, the ground up, shooting mm-hmm. Cassell, and he does the, like, once he knocks it to four months, that's we go to the Cassell side of the story. And he holds up four fingers right in line with the camera. So now we're at four months. And guess what? I'm only doing three of those. Yeah. <laughs> He's really just shaving off all it's his time. Beautiful. So you're telling me for 90 days, <laughs> I'm going to snitch? Like, oh, man. Then what does he, he say after that? Well, then he gets, he gets this weird, like... Uh, fake scared kind of voice like he goes you want oh, me to be a want, snitch you want me to be get a, a sh- get, get a shiv up my ass <laughs> yeah For, and then he's like yeah forget about yeah. it and it's just like where did that come well, he, from yeah he starts talking and the, yeah he does and then he ends it with one of those great kind of like no fucking way man no way yeah just like also doing like a bill paxton impression yeah. Yeah, it is Seymour Cassell doing Paxton. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Game it's over, so man. good. Oh, it's it's perfect. He just soaks up that whole time, and then we never see Seymour Cassell again. That's all the plot needed him for. It's great. Every one of these guys is just used as an advanced the plot guy. We get the great Tony Lobianco scene. I think you summed it up perfectly. You're like, yeah, he's trying to do as he's trying to do as much as he can. He's doing his best. Scene. He's basically got the scene of uh, uh, Red Dennis Hopper owes him money. The whole thing is Dennis Hopper owes this guy fifty grand, so he's basically conning people to try to get fifty grand at everybody. Yeah, and uh, it's very much like a yeah one of those you uh, have this intimidating much time. <laughs> but friendly. It's the intimidating friendly mobster thing. Like yeah. you know, I don't get I don't worry about getting paid. He does. You know, they, you mm-hmm. look at the gorilla in the corner of the room is like, <laughs> yeah, it's the same kind of scene you've seen a bunch of guys play. But he's great. And he's, he's so but he's, he's not. I, I really like we get a lot more 70s Tony Lobianco. I like this early 90s Lobianco older. I'd like to see great, more. The silver. Wings. I would like to see more. Looks yeah. good. Uh, So we this guy gets more than one scene. But Viggo Mortensen, I think, is so good. And you know there's tons of his stuff on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. You know there's tons of stuff with him and Hopper and him and his girlfriend. Because she comes back for... They have one great scene, and then she also never comes back. Right, yeah. He he plays the young guy who ends up killing people, basically stealing money. There was never any counterfeit money to deal. It's a big yeah. scam it's to basically those... rob and kill people Yeah, to make up this 50 grand. And he's the guy basically doing the dirtiest work for Hopper. Yeah. And he's so, it's so cool watching it through because I've watched it through a couple of times after I, I watched it and was like, oh, this is the best. And uh, on the first time through, it's interesting because Vigo Mortensen's character read as a guy who was like kind of a fuck up, kind mm-hmm. of a dumb guy who's getting easily coerced into doing stuff. Second time through, he seems like a smart guy who just wants to kill some guys while also getting away with this crime. Right, exactly. Like, my whole view of him changed after watching the way he played out, and I I, I love that. Well, he's got kind of this scene in the beginning after he kills the uh, first guy who's the 
undercover cop that yeah. Wesley Snipes is partnered with. He has that kind of like, hey, it was him or me, right? You know, kind of a, hey, he had to do what you had to do. Yeah. And then the second time when he robs and kills someone, he's <laughs> he's into it a little bit. Yeah. He, he's definitely into it. Yo, and then he's definitely into it. By he the third laughed. one, he's kicking the door down. I mean, it cuts it. to him laughing as he literally drives over his corpse. It's true. Safe to say he's having a good time with it. It's true. By then. But he's so good. Uh, him and Hopper were in this movie that I love. Uh, from a couple of years before this, called the Indian Runner. I think it was. I know the name, but I don't if know it wasn't yeah. his first movie that he directed, it was one of Sean Penn's earlier directorial efforts. Oh, cool. And it's two brothers. One of them, a guy constantly in and out of jail, Viggo Mortensen, mm-hmm. and his brother, who's a cop, played by also great actor David Morse. I don't know if I know that one off the top of my head. Yeah, look him up. He was in. He was the villain in. Uh, Disturbia. Okay. Okay. Probably one of those guys I'll recognize him as soon Immediately. as I see him. Yeah. He's awesome. And uh Charles Bronson plays their dad. It was one of it was late Bronson, you know, 90s Bronson in this awesome fatherly role, tired father. And Hopper. Oh yeah, David Morse is awesome. Yeah, you, yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. looked him up. Exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. you looked him up. Yeah. yeah that yeah, guy's yeah, great. He's great. And so uh and so Hopper <laughs> and Vigo uh in this movie are also really cool. And this is like, ooh, a different side of that coin of that relationship because i loved them together in this movie i love the mentor mentee angle and we get this great scene where hopper's out of jail vigo's arguing with his girlfriend about what his what he's up to wesley snipes is talking to his ex-wife before going into his ninja turtle jazz loving (laughs) son's room and you keep cutting back to all these different conversations at different points of the conversation and Dennis Hopper's talking to his his old lady. Right. And it's kind of all one the same conversation that they're all three yeah. groups are having kind of the same conversation. That was something that I thought the movie did so genuinely well that I cannot believe people were watching this movie and thinking, "Yep, nothing to recommend here." Yeah. That's I don't so, know. There's so many ways that it was trying to make itself into a typical crime movie. Where there was clearly things in there that were not a typical crime movie at all. Typical crime movies don't have good one scenes like Seymour Cassell or great little smaller characters like Viggo Mortensen's guy in this. Or, I mean, I think this just did it so well. Uh, yeah. The scene, if we're going to talk Vigo, uh, let's talk about the, the transaction scene. It's my favorite. <laughs> that is great. That's the one that... I think it's a scene you would show in, in a class. Like, it is the perfect tension-building uh, Vigo uh, meets well, we get, up with... Uh, we get the build-up to that scene, which I think is an- another excellent, yeah. great Mortensen scene. And at this point, I guess for him, this would have been the same year he did Carlito's Way, mm-hmm. which is a great... I love Carlito's Way. And he's great in it. And, uh, you know, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> Man, I don't remember. Can't hump. I don't remember anything from Carlito's Way. Wow. It's been got it. 19 gotta, years. You got to do a... <laughs> you got to go head on that way Maybe. sometime soon. Um, so this was like with that Indian runner role, he was really starting to break out in some cool roles. And I loved him talking with another guy, Jonathan Banks. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Banks, another higher up the ladder counterfeit guy with his own brand of counterfeit slang. Yep. <laughs> Points but the on high the rise dollar. meeting. Viggo Mortensen in this movie looks like a great like Archie 
Archie comics. It looks totally American. It's graffiti. so young. Yeah, it's so crazy. young. He's got that slick back part, that biggest cleft chin you've ever seen. Uh, and him going up to this high rise with Jonathan Banks. In Banks, they get the one of those great scenes where a guy, uh, oh, well, you must know so-and-so. And the guy's like, well, wouldn't have been talking to so-and-so and since he's been dead for six months. And <laughs> right. It's like, okay, okay, <laughs> I got you. I read you. Right. So they're, they're set. We got like four different scenes, and I loved all of them, of guys setting terms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> of guys figuring out prices for things. Figuring out the cost of Making goods exchanged. Deal. We get a lot of dealing. And Jonathan Banks' dealing with Vigo just gets better. Because Vigo plays it the quietest of anybody in this scene. This movie's filled with louder yet subtle performances. This one's totally him silent, barely muttering. Yeah. And he's so good. Just like basically playing dumb. Doing the like, well, it's customary, <laughs> it's customary. to go 30%. You know, but they say it, thirty. It's like thirty points on the yeah on thirty the points on the bag. I'm like what, man? That's typical. It's like all right, hot shot. I'll yeah. give you fifteen. Okay, we can do fifty. You know what? I'll do twenty just because I'm tired of talking right. about it. I don't have time to. Quibble. I don't have time to barter here. <laughs> I love banks using. So Vigo is so good at just using these one word answers. You know, like you're gonna write this down. No. No. <laughs> and Banks is so good at then picking a word, one of the few words Vigo says, and using it like smarmily later. Like he drops his own customary when Vigo's like, I'm going to need to see the buy money first. And he goes, yeah, you will. That's customary. <laughs> <laughs> but then almost at the end of the scene, the best part is Oh, when, this is the best part. The best part is when Banks is like, all right, so you go down, you wait for the phone call, Ronnie. Is it Ronnie? Yeah. <laughs> Gives him the is it the, is it Ronnie? Am I the, saying that correct? Yeah. Well, it's got that Banks deadpan, and so I love you know. And everybody's familiar with. We've been watching Mike on Breaking Bad now, Better Call Saul for the last decade. Yeah, clearly next level stuff for Jonathan Banks. Such a great late career role, but he's still got that same droll kind of Mike sound. Mm, absolutely. And so it's like okay, you know the north end of the station. You're gonna go to the north end of the station. Ronnie, is it Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a perfect yeah, Jonathan. You did this it well. movie is so good at getting these guys that give their. I can't picture a better this guy doing the read. His is it Ronnie? I can picture tons of great guys I love that can do their own funny good takes on that. But that was such a great Jonathan Banks moment. Mm-hmm. Seymour Cassell, when his voice goes up a notch to do the like to get a ship. Up mm-hmm. my ass? <laughs> like, <laughs> watching him do it with his fluffy Seymour Cassell hair and push broom mustache. Yep. It's like, this is perfect. Yeah. And then we get to the scene that you, like, when we, when you and I played this one back together, this is the one where you're like, this is my, this I is my I just love scene. it. Uh, it's finally, yeah, once they negotiate the deal, uh, Ronnie Vigo goes to make the transaction and he meets up with Paul Gleason principal from the breakfast club get the horns and again it's a perfect paul gleason just is the stone-faced transaction man who's got the gun on his hip and says i'll kill you first yeah and it's just this the tension building and the music and the back and forth and the way that vigo just does not break eye contact the entire time 
and neither does Jonathan or uh, Paul Gleason. They just are just like staring each other down, and then eventually, yeah. I love the way it, it blows up so quick. Yeah, because this is it was definitely far and away the most tense scene. This is the boiling point scene. I would say so of the movie, because these two are standing like four feet apart in a parking lot in a parking lot yeah. at this at the you know big train station and they both are so good at coming off like guys who know what they're doing while also not totally knowing what they're doing and it was kind of great to see that in a movie where everybody knows the slang everybody knows the ins and like i said first time viewing versus second time viewing first time viewing i'm waiting for when vigo messes this up mm-hmm. second time through i'm watching it's like seeing him just play it the whole way through like a fiddle, you know? And that's just, you know, when uh, I think that's the strength of the performance that it can be interpreted like this. Mm-hmm. Cause I love the, uh, I love this kind of creepy calmness without being such an overt, like this guy's a sicko. Right. He no, likes this action. He's just got that very subdued, like I'm not bringing a piece to this man. Yeah, you can nothing, check me if you want. Nothing's going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Just guys like, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Gleason does the like, this goes wrong. I'll kill you first. And he's like, "Hey, man, nothing's gonna go wrong, nothing's all right?" Go wrong. Like it's just, just like very cool. easy, man. And then just pops him with a tire iron out of the trunk, it, and then a brutal double. This is tap. the most for a movie that's billed as like a violent '90s R-rated snipes crime drama. This was like the violence of the movie. Yeah, is Vigo shotgun blasting Gleason. After the dude just also, I love his great like his money belt. Mm-hmm. I his got fanny pack. I got the fifty. You know, it's like the cooler money belt because it like straps around your belt. You know, your cool leather belt. So you're yeah, just wearing a big old like uh, USA um, fanny pack. Right. Um, but oh, shotgun blast to the stomach, and then we get the wide shot of Vigo just right under the chin, shotgunning him. I was <sighs> like, wow, okay. Woof. We went there, yeah, yeah, and then runs over the dead body with the with the car. He backs over him and then pulls over him. You're like it got real. That's all the Gleason. Yeah, I mean, jeez. But we get these. We get Dan Hedaya. He is so good. I'm thankfully he he's got. Gotta, he's got to be 55, 60 years old by the time this movie's out. I mean, he seemed. You want to talk cleft chins, buddy? <laughs> That Hidea. You're talking Hidea. I can't focus on the Hidea chin because the eyebrows are just taking over. He's so good. I can't help it. He is the greatest <laughs> constant five o'clock shadow, swarthy, yeah. hairy dude. Love Hidea. He's the guy in this movie like always eating in a scene. Oh, I love the guy <laughs> right? eating a sandwich with his stubbly face. Because he does the same thing, but in a movie that people actually watched in Usual Suspects. Right. He's the guy right. with the messiest office who's eating a sandwich and drinking coffee and awkwardly hitting a chair. And, like, that's him in this movie. He's so good at that. Uh, you know how much I love Blood Simple. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, we're we're a big Hedaya household. <laughs> so <laughs> it's come household, to this universe. Yeah. And But this one, yeah, he's the kind of, like, you know, the yin to Snipes partner Yang. But you get this scene of him. We watched this a couple times. I'm not sure what they were doing. This is kind of that. I couldn't figure out if it was green screen or real, but it, I think it might have been real. Him and Hedaya and Snipes run away from an explosion when a junkie lights the gas. Seymour Cassell's junkie woman. I won't tell you. 
One thing, Seymour Cassell does not say the kind of things about a lady that a lady wishes she heard He's from a, her guy. Yeah. He's not a nice fella. You mean that dumb junkie that some <laughs> friend gave to me? Her? Oh, Oof. not the terms you'd want to hear yourself described in. No, she doesn't. No. She didn't like and that. So when she just blows up their kitchen... You get what looks like a slow-mode, real-time take of Snipes and Dan Hedaya. Has to be in his mid-50s. That guy looked in his mid-50s when he was on Cheers. You know, like, this guy has been in his mid-50s for a while. And they're running full sprint away from an L.A. one story that's just blowing out the kitchen windows. It's a good good explosion. And Hedaya is eating shit in the <laughs> yeah, scene. He, he is, goes down. He is going down on like the cement from an explosion. <laughs> and unless they got just a primo stunt guy, unless Hedaya's Rick Could be. Dalton Could be. going around with his guy that <laughs> exactly. looks exactly like him, it looks just like they made a 60-year-old Today it was probably like 37 in this movie. Honestly, yeah. I, I can't look it up because I have to click see full cast just yeah, to get to right, it. Just but. to get to his name. Like, he's not a spring chicken. He's not a guy I think of who's uh, in explosions no. on film. Them, it's hard time running from an explosion when you're in your 50s. He hit the boiling point there for sure. But so, yeah, this plot of the movie, you know, if that's what critics are going to be all wrapped up in, sure, I get it. You have to talk about it. But I don't care. I love seeing people act. I love being entertained by actors. And that's what this whole movie is. I don't really care how it wrapped up. Though you can clearly tell this should have been Hopper's movie. Yeah. You change it back to Dennis Hopper's movie, there's no way a critic could dislike this movie. This would be like one of those Burt Lancaster Atlantic City roles. You know, one of those guys on his last feet. Robert Mitchum in The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Sure. You know, these low-rent guys on their way out. And... Instead, it's just like a Snipes boiling point. He's a cop. Yeah. (laughs) And this guy, James B. Harris, talk about like a cool career. He, in the 80s, he did a couple. This guy was one of those writers, directors, and producers who did something like every eight to ten years, right? Right. In the 50s and 60s, he was a producer on Kubrick movies. He's a producer on Paths of Glory, The Killing, Lolita. That's some classy stuff. And then he yeah. wrote a couple of like uh, countercultural movies in the 70s. In the 80s, he was doing James Woods cops flicks, including Cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a great James Woods movie. Now, that's a cop movie. That's a cop movie. <laughs> and so this kind of thing feels like a natural extension from his cool idea of noir and cop films. And it's so good. And it just gets sniped. And unfortunately, he basically retired after this movie. Oh. I, I can't this imagine is, it's this is not, the kind of thing. It's got to be related to the studio hacking yeah. this film. I mean, this is stuff, like when right? you know John Carpenter had his moment of like, "Well, that's my last studio film. Yep. Like never again. Yeah, like some of these guys, it's got to be hell sometimes. And this is it. Yeah, this broke him. You gotta think a guy who, yeah, exactly, a guy who is a producer on Kubrick films can't get final cut on a. On a right? nine million a nine million dollar movie you know, crime right? crime character study like really it's stunning to me how a studio could look at some of the setups to scenes and some of the performances in this movie and it's obviously just them not thinking with their what's a good movie it's, it's them trying it's to the get bottom greed. line yeah and you see Snipes is suddenly a money maker it's like we need to turn this into a Snipes movie so I get it but. 
God, I get why this breaks a creative person to see something that could have been the pieces and the scenes are there for a legitimately great movie. Yeah. This could have been an all time great Dennis Hopper character. I mean, with the other few scenes that I can only guess are missing genuine award worthy kind of character. It's just such a fun, well done guy. And you got to see this just for the Hopper performance. It's such you've, a great Dennis Hopper role. The hands, man. I can't <laughs> overstate how it's cool. It's colorful and understated At first it's like all distracting, and then you're like, let's see those hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the way they kind of boil it down <clears throat> to <laughs> oh the direction they do, I just, it's one of those movies that's never, there's no desire for the other cut. It's not yeah, a movie that right. has the fan base that's like, we need the director's cut of Boiling Point. Like it's so it's never gonna happen, but it's such a bummer. And from the creative side of things, to know the work you did and then to just have it taken out of your hands feels like the worst thing. Yeah. It feels so tough. Like, I think one good definitive example of something a studio always does. Like you know, if it doesn't really fit the vibe of the movie that a studio definitely got involved and changed something, this is the main side of this. Because this movie ends with like a totally dumb epilogue. <laughs> you know a studio fucked something up. Why did up that exist? When it's like a director had a movie where everything made sense and a studio recuts a the movie, they're like, uh, a few loose ends that we got to tie up. Explain them right over the credits. Terrible. You like it know was some that... sort of true crime yeah. TV movie. Like yeah. it's Animal House or something. So bizarre. <laughs> Wesley Snipes went on to have sex with a different prostitute. <laughs> like it's such a dumb epilogue but at the like, end. Of... But it's, yeah, it's like Dennis Hopper is waiting to like, make his appeal. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> For a movie that told you no prior history of people the movie was so good at you just learning things about who these people were and where they came from through their situations and how they behaved and then suddenly you're learning all these like it's like jay giles band freeze frame starts playing and we're learning about all these like whatever happened to this guy that did you know that's funny seymour cassell's so currently serving you guessed it 90 days <laughs> like <laughs> Why did we need this epilogue? Totally. Like that's when you see that and you're like, "Oh yeah, some studio took this away from a guy." But this movie is out on the streaming services. I loved it. I'm so into Boiling Point. Yeah, if you get the Prime Video or the Hulu, you get the uh 7-day free trial at the Stars package and you can yeah. watch it that way. It's on it's around. So, uh I think it's worth it. It's it's 92 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. It's and pretty it could good. have been great. And it, yeah, it's it's very interesting just example of a studio taking a something and turning it into this middle of the road. Yeah. Like and doing their best to take all the kind of edge off of it. The weird thing is, is a lot of the Snipes But it's still scenes, there a little bit. I right? mean, obviously Snipes was always going to be in the movie. It's not like sure. they just filmed a bunch of separate Snipes scenes. Because there's tons of scenes earlier where they're doing that, uh, they're doing like a Pulp Fiction kind of thing where Snipes and Hopper are both at the same place. But sure. their paths haven't yet crossed. They both know the same hooker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they both that kind uh, of thing. They yeah. both get it with Lolita Davidovich, <laughs> who I'm pretty sure is the actress who I will recognize her name in a second. But somebody's like, yeah, what are some of the things you've seen Lolita Davidovich in? Like, 
Whew. Let's see. I just saw Boiling Point. <laughs> I just saw... Uh, I know there's stuff. It's... I bet she's, she sounds like somebody who I bet there's like some... Like a couple of great TV movies from the 70s with Lolita Davidovich. She's, uh, yeah, she was in a lot of stuff, but I feel like it's mostly, you know, how to get away with murder. Yeah. Law and Order, True Crime she feels series. Like, she feels like there could be a cool 90s run of TV movies for Davidovich. Um, <laughs> look up look up Davidovich, you guys. Yeah, everybody check her out. Could be good. Um, So, but... Indictment, the McMartin trial from 1995. <laughs> How's that sound? TV movie. How's that, that sounds sound? good. Trial at Fortitude Bay. Ooh. <laughs> I'm to check that one out. I've been on a TV movie kick ever since our Dennehy. Uh, Harvest but... of Fire from 96. <laughs> Dead Silence in 97. All right, let's Davida bring it back All on right, track sorry. here. No, no. We got to wrap this um, up, yeah. But there's a bunch of good snipe scenes, and he plays off just fine because he is a good canvas to bounce back a lot of these more colorful characters you know he's a good wall to bounce things off of even though he is kind of a james yeah um but so there was a you know snipes is a capable actor we've seen him do dramas and these kind of roles through the 80s and early 90s before he became a different kind of actor but when they took it and made it into the snipes movie right that was just it couldn't carry this movie because it was clearly being carried by everybody else. And, God, I just want to see that movie. The tone can change so much. We want to see the original Money Men. That's yeah, what we're I'd saying I'd love here. to see Money Men. Until Maybe then. they cut about uh, all of the, like, so here's how we counterfeit. Right. <laughs> it's all just counterfeiting supposition. <laughs> and, Maybe. And real-time Dennis Hopper dancing. Oh, a lot of dancing. A lot of good dancing. This is one of those movies that... Some of the kind of movies I love fall in this category where I always forget how they end mm-hmm. because my joy of the movie doesn't come from the plot or how the plot story finishes. It just comes from watching people. And so I can watch these kind of movies several times because <laughs> they're always fresh because I'm paying attention to different things different than the actual and story. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And this is that kind of movie for me. I can't... A 4.9. <laughs> Well, we got to get really? on there and vote it up, I guess. Yeah. We got to create an IMDb we'll bump account. bump it to 491. I'll put it on my letterbox. But no, check out Boiling Point. Check it's it out, guys. so good. Uh, we loved it. Uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. It came to this. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And we will see you next time. Good night.